What's going on, guys? This week, uh, Jeff and I are going to be talking about uh, Bernie versus Warren and their spat. Uh, next, we're going to be talking about a favorite topic of Jeff's, which is cancel culture and Vince Vaughn and Donald Trump's fateful meeting at the national championship game. And then lastly, we're going to hear about Jeff's meeting, uh, Jeff's coaching in Huntsville. So as always, I'm joined by Jeff. Jeff, how you doing? Been pretty good. Uh, enjoying the long weekend, and it's good to be back chatting with you. Nice, man. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm excited to hear about Huntsville. Yeah, it was a good time. Um, definitely, definitely eye-opening. Excited to talk a little bit about the experience I had down there, and um, I guess we'll do that at the end. Sounds good, man. So first up, uh, so Jeff and I text uh, in between the podcasts, and like one of our favorite debates is uh, Jeff's absolute hatred of Elizabeth Warren. And the, the recent Bernie spat and Warren spat over um, their differing versions of what occurred during a dinner. So according to a report from CNN, it was said that when Bernie and Warren had dinner together, uh, Bernie said to Warren, this is the, this is the Warren's version is that a woman can't be, a woman can't win the presidency. And Bernie disagrees with ever saying that that came up during the debate. And then there was footage of them after with each of them saying, you know, you called me a liar. Uh, Jeff has some strong feelings about Elizabeth Warren and guess Jeff, my guess is this confirms a lot of your feelings about Elizabeth Warren. I'll be honest. I wouldn't say it confirms things because for, for, for what happened in this instance, it was, it was something that actually surprised me. And like the things that I disliked about Elizabeth Warren were not all confined to the fact that I think that she is a little bit of a snake. I, I do think that she has kind of fibbed about some things in the past, but it's really more about policy and the way that she speaks about things in very black and white terms that bothers me. But the re I was frustrated ab about this because like, you know, for me, I think, you know, my political leaning is I'm probably more in the center. I'm, I'm probably, uh, well, I wouldn't say probably, I'm eager to see somebody replace Donald Trump in office. And I don't, I don't see it as productive. What, you know, this whole thing that went down is he's the big winner. So I'm looking at this like, man, what are you doing? Like, this is, this is probably the worst possible thing that can be happening right now. Um, I have a lot of thoughts about it. So I don't know where you want to, I don't know where you want to begin on the, uh, the spat or if you want to give your take first. Well, I, I actually, because, so my, my, my take was that this was a something pumped up by the media to get a sensational story. And it's like, it's rather insignificant. It's two different, two differing versions of a conversation, which kind of happens all the time. And I think the, the narrative that's coming out is that Warren's can't leak this. Uh, there's like no reports that show she did. She also like, why would you also want to bring up the, uh, the uh the topic of like electability in a woman if you're a female campaign that just i can't imagine that making any sense whatsoever um and it is possible for two people to leave a conversation with differing uh versions of the conversation also what she said about bernie which is like a woman can't win the presidency i i mean it hasn't been true um hillary clinton definitely got a lot of coverage that a male candidate might not have necessarily gotten and was probably treated much more harshly by the media during the election uh, 
over really minuscule things than than Donald Trump was. Like Donald Trump's criticism was well deserved. Like a, you know, the tape came out where he was talking about grabbing a woman by the pussy, and then Hillary had like was coughing somewhere, and that was blown up into multi week story. Plus, the email scandal was just insanely overblown. So there obviously is like sexism in national politics. Otherwise, there wouldn't be that we wouldn't have every candidate, uh, every uh, presidential winner be a, be a man. Um, so I think it's, it, people can have like different conversations, uh, differing versions of the same conversation. Um, so I found this to be just completely overblown and a, uh, a, a, a media that's really searching for a, con- a controversy. Um, and I actually thought Warren handled it like relatively well. I, I don't. Oh God, Dave, come on. Dude, I, 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 so here's. Really? I, I, what, what would she, what could she have done better? I mean, like if, if she, it depends. I mean, if, if you're looking at it from the perspective of she handled it well, like she's maybe gaining some traction in the polls because she got some dirt out against Bernie, then yeah. Well, I, don't think, if you, I don't think she's getting, I don't think, I think people are seeing it as like a, uh, oh, here's a female again, complaining, trying to use the sexism card. That's the way I see. That's the way I, I but then, but then the, but then yeah. the way to handle it well would be to diffuse it. And, and her camp has, has done anything but that. And like, so here's the thing, her camp has, put, they put out like this kind of this passive aggressive internal statement, which was like, hey, we don't want to like cause a feud with Bernie, but also let's not deny that this happened. Like, so basically it's like, let's make sure everybody knows knows that this happened, but let's also not say Bernie's a sexist. It's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't come out there and be like, hey, we want to make sure everybody knows that Bernie said this like really terrible thing. But by the way, we have nothing against Bernie. It's like, it's one or the other. But like, you know, if they don't back her up, then they're, then they're, then they're, then they're, then they're they're going against Warren's, claim of the story and go right. so, so they have to back up the candidate right so so then like but then but that that's exactly my point it's like you can't you can't have it both ways so like they're either backing up warren and that therefore by extension they are saying that bernie said this and by the way like do you and i i mean as much as you're clearly a, a big warren fan hey you, I, I am i like warren i i honestly haven't made up my mind because to be totally fair like i it I don't really care who gets nominated as much as that just it's I do care, but I just keep watching it and following the horse race every single day is exhausting. So I, I just don't do that until like it becomes real and we get to like South Carolina or Nevada because right now it's so up in the air, but keep on going. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, so look, here's the thing. And here's something else that bothers me you and I were not in the room, right? Like nobody was in the room except those two people. And yet if you're a supporter of Sanders or you're a supporter of Warren, you purportedly know exactly what happened in that conversation. It's really, it's really frustrating and annoying. Like after the debate, they had this panel on CNN and one of the, you know, one of the anchors or people that they were interviewing is like clearly an unapologetic Elizabeth Warren supporter. And she's up there being like, well, let's not forget CNN reported already that Elizabeth, like that Elizabeth Warren's account of the story is true. So Bernie Sanders sure looked like an idiot defending himself. And then like Anderson Cooper jumped in and he's like, he's like, actually, like you are literally making up lies. Like CNN reported secondhand what people said about the meeting. You are like, you are part of the problem. Just shut your mouth. And like, she literally was just like, oh yeah, you're right. Like I can't get away with just like 
spewing like falsehoods on national TV. Like that's, that's frustrating because let's just establish that. Like you and I were not in the room. Now, that being said, do I find it likely that Bernie Sanders would, you know, just flat fuck say, like, I don't think a woman has a good chance of being president or like that's something like something that's actually sexist. No, but is it sexist to point out that sexism exists? I don't think so. I think it's the opposite of sexism. I think it's acknowledging that like, women oh, yeah. have it tough. And, and it, what's more likely to me, again, I, I wasn't there, so I can't say what happened. But what seems likely to me is that Bernie said something like, you know, that monster Donald Trump, he sure is going to use sexism against you because you're a woman and that's like really unfortunate and like shouldn't be the case for you it's probably like along the lines of what he said and like if i was again if i'm just a betting man i would be like well elizabeth warren probably twisted that you know like maybe they had a miscommunication i could see how that could happen i could see how she might be sensitive to this issue in a way that i can't understand because i'm a man so maybe she took something he said in a way that wasn't intended but that's exactly the problem is like when you take you know, these conversations where you, you like, if you know somebody's character and you're going to leak out, you know, somehow get this out there and, and suggest that somebody whose character you think so highly of might be like a sexist. I mean, I don't know. It just, it feels to me, it's not helping anybody to support that story right now. I'm actually noticing it too amongst my, like if you're a Bernie supporter and Bernie loses, you probably vote for Warren and vice versa. They're the most progressive candidates and like something that I'm noticing just on my Facebook right now is all my hardcore Bernie bro friends yeah. are like anti-Warren. They hate her. And, yeah. and what I'm fearful of is that they're going to do the same thing they did four years ago, which is they didn't vote for Hillary because they're so crazy far on the left that, you know, their candidate loses. They're not going to support the other candidate. And it's like, Look, I mean, you can say, yeah, Jeff, you hate Elizabeth Warren. I don't hate her enough not to vote for her against Donald Trump. Oh, but thank like, God. But honestly, this like latest charade is like, Jesus, like, what is the next bullshit? You know, like, I, I don't know how much more of it I could take from her. Um, so it's, it, it was frustrating. She's, uh, she's run a sloppy campaign. But back to your point, though, of like, uh, of, um, it, it, during the conversation, uh, you know, do I think that Bernie said, uh, a woman can't win the presidency or like something along those lines or like uh, a woman, it's very difficult for a woman to win the presidency. Like that's just the, that's an objective truth. Like it is incredibly difficult. In fact, saying a woman can't win the presidency. But now you're a sexist, Dave. Look at you. <laughs> no, but that's, that is, I'm doing the opposite of sexist. Exactly. That's why it's so, that's why it's so crazy. It's not, it's, it's being supportive. I, I, but yeah. I can see, I can see how it gets, I can see how it gets misconstrued. But mm -hmm. I, I mean, look, like, again, I wasn't there. I just find it really hard to believe that it was anything other than what you just said. Yeah. And, and there is, I think because two of the Bernie supporters, like the Bernie bros, quote unquote, um, which I do think is like such an overused thing. I, there is an idea that he's like a male dominant candidate mm -hmm. and so when you when you have him saying a line when you have him reportedly saying a line like that 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 obviously reinforces it, but also with the Warren stuff, there's no there's no uh, evidence that Warren's camp leaked that uh, that story. I, I actually don't know where it was picked up. I think it was from anonymous sources on CNN. So that there's no evidence that it was leaked by Warren. I, I guess I just have a hard time understanding where it came from then, especially when Warren is 
slipping in the polls to everybody, especially Sanders and the Iowa caucuses are coming up. It seems just like a strange time. But this, that, right. this, and plus, you know, like, like on stage too, like, I mean, look, if she's somebody who, who's not leaking this out, doesn't want it to become a big deal, then like she's coming up to him after the debate with a hot mic and saying like, you, you know, I think you just lied. Like you just said that I'm a liar on national TV. Like she knows that people are going to pick this up, that they are frosty after the debate. Like, I don't know. I just have a hard time buying the story that she doesn't want this to be out there. I mean, like all the evidence just suggests, I mean, look, do I have like hard and fast proof? Like, do no. I know somebody who works on her campaign that like came over to my house yesterday and like flat out gave a deposition that they did this? <laughs> no, but like, there's a lot of evidence that would support like, I, like who did it then? You know, like, I don't know. It just seems like it had to. Biggest, the biggest missed opportunity the whole entire presidential election is Tom Steyer had the golden opportunity to play peacemaker and right. like look and act like a leader. Well, with, he could have like, given oh, her, he could have given her a peace pipe. She probably would have liked that, right? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> See, like, I find this Warren stuff so unbelievably nitpicky. Like, she, she definitely so, – because I, I think this is, like, a larger issue with Warren. Like, you find Warren utterly inauthentic, right? Um, not utterly inauthentic, no. I, I, th- I think that, like I, – I actually think she's sincere about a lot of things that she says, and she's well-intended in a lot of her policies. But... And backed up by her – all of her previous experiences will tell. Right. No, like, look, I, I, I disagree with like almost everything that comes out of her mouth, but I do respect her as someone who's very intelligent. She's got a great presence on stage. She speaks mm-hmm. very well. Um, she's very presidential. Like Hillary Clinton, I think she is immensely qualified to be the president. I don't like most of the things that she wants to do and most of the stuff that she says. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like from time to time, yeah, I do think, I wouldn't say that I just flat out think she's inauthentic. I don't believe that, but there are times where, I do think that she blurs reality and truth for her own convenience. And it's frustrating. I mean, look, at the end of the day, all these politicians really are kind of similar in that regard, but look, I don't like Bernie either, but like I I was having this conversation with someone and it was like, well, when has Bernie been that way? Like when is Bernie, like as much as Bernie is like just a crazy, like he's like, you're just your crazy grandfather, basically. Like you, you can't think of much time where you thought, Oh, Bernie is just being, intellectually inconsistent right now he's lying i mean like the only thing that people have even tried to get him for is that he flies around on planes and he cares about the environment and that he's like really wealthy but like i don't know that that makes him a hypocrite person no i i um, if if, so, you are, if you stand for higher ideals people especially now when you know there's so much over like done media coverage and if you stand for like good necessarily things like Every, you're always going to find contradictions in people's behavior. Of course, exactly right. So, but that, that's my point. It's like, I, I can't, as much as I don't like Bernie, I just don't, I, I feel like if there's one thing that I could appreciate about Bernie vis-a-vis Warren is that I do think he is a little more sincere behind like everything he says. Whereas with Warren, I think it's like 75% of the time, it's like she she's being truthful. And then the other 25%, it's like, all right, you're being a little bit... Um, you're, you're being more like a, a regular politician here. You know, that's, that's, I, th- I think the difference. And I'm not saying I support Sanders over Warren. I really don't like either of them. It would be like, honestly, you'd have to blindfold me and just have me pick one would be, you know, the way that would go. But that's the way that that's something that I see as different between those two candidates. Well, you don't mean, you don't mean like Bernie versus Trump. No, I would, I would begrudgingly accept Sanders or, or Warren before Trump. Those are the only two that it would be like begrudging where you would have to like take me by the hand with a blindfold on and just have me throw a dart. But um, 
yeah, like I would take, I would take them. Uh, the other, there's other can't, we've talked about this. I really like Buttigieg. I really like Yang Biden. I would take, um, Steyer, Bloomberg, Klobuchar, um, you know, uh, all these guys, like, you know, again, I don't, I don't love everything, uh, about all these candidates, but, yeah. uh, in that order, I probably, that's probably the way that I see it. Yeah. I, I, I think, I mean, the chances of Warren or Bernie getting the primary, uh, the nomination are so low. Uh, particularly because I, I don't think they can appeal to like if a Biden dropped out or Klobuchar dropped out or Buttigieg dropped out, I think it'd be very difficult for any of those votes to go their way. We'll see. Yeah. I actually think um, I have this weird feeling actually that Bernie and Warren are going to pick up steam. And I think Bernie has the better chance at the end of the day. I don't know. I don't know how slim it is. Um, especially, you know, I really do feel, and I don't know if this has been discussed, but, I would have to imagine that the Warren and Sanders supporters will flip flop for the other as soon as one leaves the race, at least if, as, as, at least as long as they can mend this, you know, d- dispute that they're having publicly. But I mean, that's a big deal. That's a lot of votes that are going to swing towards one candidate. I can't imagine somebody who supports Warren just becomes a Joe Biden supporter or like a Bernie Sanders supporter becomes a Joe Biden supporter, I'd have to imagine that the overwhelming majority of those votes are going to flip flop to the other progressive candidate. Um, Is that something that people are talking about? I feel like that's gone overlooked or I don't know. Well, I mean, there's a guy who probably my, I mean, initially my first choice is Warren. I'm like, I mean, right now I'm just totally undecided and like legitimately undecided because there's, you know, 10 people in there and there's a lot of really good candidates. Um, so I, I would go from Warren to Biden. I actually don't see a huge difference between Warren and Biden or Bernie and Biden. Um, the rhetoric's obviously different, but like the policies aren't remarkably different. Like there's the healthcare is obviously a huge one. Um, and then, I, I, but I mean, outside of the healthcare, it's not a ton. There's like nuanced differences, but not like huge policy differences. No, I agree. And, it, and it'll be interesting too, to see, you know, we, Originally, we talked about some of this stuff and, you know, it was kind of funny when Bloomberg entered the race, but he actually has a good shot, too. And he's running a pretty unique campaign. And it is interesting to see what happens with him. Um, I I personally would really like to see uh, I would like to see this issue go away because I do think it's problematic for the party as a whole. And we can't have a circular firing squad. Uh, I think it's it's a bad look. I don't want to be insensitive though to Elizabeth Warren's gripe. Honestly, even if even if her story is a hundred percent true, I it's one of those things where it's like I, be, I I would want to hear about that, and I think it's important that we listen to why that it's so problematic. It's just like is now is now the right time? Like it's so important for women really to beat Donald Trump, right? So it's like if I'm prioritizing the message that I want to get out there. It's like, I think the, the number one priority is let's beat Donald Trump. And then after that's over, we can have this conversation about what was said or not said. I guess that's the way that I, it's not that I don't want to hear it. I don't want to sound like I'm insensitive to these issues. It's quite the opposite. I care. Yeah. But I think that because I care, I think it's important that we have a candidate who cares and you know, that's not Donald Trump, you know? And I think that this stuff is making it easier for him to stay around to kind of spew that, you know, misogyny and, and that, you know, grab, grab her by the pussy type stuff you were, you were mentioning earlier. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. 
when you when you uh yeah i mean the, i i don't know necessarily if the the warren or bernie campaigns are the ones keeping us alive though i think this is like this is a, a media that always feels like there has to be criticism on both sides so like trump is getting criticized for iran for the for <laughs> all the impeachment stuff for uh like uh changing the school lunches which was like a crazy policy um for you know countless corruption and then they feel like in order to even the odds they need a little bit of excitement and criticism on the left so the bernie mm. the bernie and warren fight and uh yeah it, it's 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 bothersome when you said that, that that uh bernie and like bernie was considered like your old crazy uncle like i i hear that all the time and i, and I guess like policy wise i just don't i don't totally get it like things are grounded in reality where if you look at a lot of the policies that we have now not grounded in reality whatsoever uh well no i mean just because just because current policies are not grounded in reality doesn't mean that whatever policies bernie has are grounded in reality but if, right? but if we're calling him crazy relative to are you calling him crazy relative to what we have now or just crazy like as the platonic ideal of a politician um i think that he's crazy like i think that a lot of the stuff that he wants to do would be would be bad for the united states i mean and this is like a whole other yeah. i don't know how deep you want to get into this right now but i do like i i i what i what i what i think is here i'll just i'll put it on a high level for yeah. you um i think i think that most issues are not black and white and there's a lot of nuance to various issues. And honestly, when we talk about Huntsville, I'll kind of talk about that too. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, I think what I want to say. And, I, and so I think with Bernie and I think a lot of times with Warren, they take an all or nothing attitude to, to issues. So for example, they'll say like billionaires shouldn't exist. Like billionaires are bad. Like the, the way that they talk about billionaires is like they're these crummy salt of the earth people. And it's like, that's just not true. I mean, yeah, maybe a lot of them are that way, but you can't tell me that we're not infinitely better off as a society for the innovation that, yeah, was created by billionaires. Um, and so it's like, there's a middle yeah. ground. There's, there's a middle ground, I guess, is what I'm saying. It's, 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 it, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a way for you to say, I don't think people, I think that people, when they get this rich, they become corrupt or, or this or that. I think that you can say that without saying that it happens to everybody. Um, you know, that, that's, that's like one example, but I think that they take that to like everything, whether it's social justice causes, criminal justice, things like that. Um, I think that there's truth to things that they're saying, but they take it to an extreme where it's an all or nothing. And I just don't agree that that's, that's, that I just don't think that's the world we live in. I, I, I completely agree with you regarding the billionaire thing. Cause I have to step out of that thing. The majority of wealth is uh, inherited wealth. So it's not necessarily, not necessarily due to like any technological innovation that they did. Also, like if you are a billionaire, the mechanisms and things you had to do in order to create and keep your wealth uh, are, are damaging to society. I, also someone who does have that many resources when surrounded in a, uh, in, in, a, in a country where so many people are uh, limited and, and starving and, and you have that much influence and uh, resources and you're just holding onto it. I, I do think that says a lot about your character, but that's, we can talk about that another, another day. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I fall into the camp of, we probably shouldn't have billionaires. I think that's a little obnoxious. Um, so Jeff, this is good. <laughs> All right, next topic. So yes. I mean, this is one that you and I, 
I love our conversations on this because we have such different takes and I'm so fascinated to hear your, cause you, you, this, this really bothers you. Um, so during the national championship game, Trump came onto the field, super friendly fra- crowd. I mean, it was in Louisiana college football crowd. He loved it. You could see him. Like, I don't know if you saw like the video of him actually like coming out in the field. He was soaking it up, soaking it up. They loved him. Mm-hmm. And um, he went into the press box with Melania and Vince Vaughn came over. They were chatting it up, shaking hands. Uh, next thing you know, there's a bunch of people on Twitter saying like cancel Vince Vaughn. This is bullshit. Never supporting Vince Vaughn again. Uh, this made you really upset. I'll be honest though. It made me, it made me more upset than it should have because I expected there to be more, like, okay, I saw, so when I saw that Vince Vaughn had shaken, uh, shook, sorry, shook hands with Donald Trump and like hung out with him for 30 seconds and I saw the video, I just intrinsically expected that there was outrage. I didn't look anywhere. I didn't like really, you know, Google it or look on Twitter. I just assumed that everybody was outraged and that there was like a cancel Vince Vaughn hashtag and, you know, Vince Vaughn's a Nazi and a bigot and whatever. He's a straight white male and everyone hates him. Right. Um, And like, yeah, sure. There were people on Twitter who, who felt that way and, you know, made, you know, said what they had to say about it. But there's all, there's always those weirdos, right? Like there's, there's weirdos. There's like Rose McGowan is gonna, you know, she's like part of the Iranian army now, basically. I mean, there's people, (laughs) there's people out there that are just going to be like so far to the left that they basically root for like the other team. Um, But that didn't like, it didn't end up being the case that any, that, that it was really that much outrage. So I was, I was actually happy to see that it wasn't as bad as I expected. Now, that being said, like it did exist and it is a little ridiculous. Um, Look, I don't like you and I are just not going to agree. I already know. Like, we're not going to agree on this because I I think that there's no no way you would ever shake Donald Trump's hand. Um, I don't think it's that big a deal. Like, I I do think there's a I, I do think that the way that we try to bring people together and to try to understand one another is not to act holier than thou. Um, a lot of times when people disagree, people we disagree with, a lot of times we we don't have empathy that we should have because we don't understand what it was like to grow up being that person with the influences that that person had. Yeah. And this is my long way of saying that, like, I don't think that refusing to even shake people's hands is the way to show grace and to, cho- and to at least make an attempt to uh, be understanding and welcoming. I understand that this guy is not a good guy and you might be like, well, what if it was Adolf Hitler or something? And like, it's like, okay, but like, who is the arbiter then of when somebody is bad enough Yeah, that you don't like, that's my thing is like, there's no objective standard to uh, evil. Right. And like, I don't know. So it's just, for me, it's like, I don't think it's a big deal. Like people are getting all up about Ellen DeGeneres. It's like, seriously, do you guys, who the fuck cares? Like, She's just enjoying herself at a football game. She happens to be in the same suite as this guy and like has to shake his hand. Like you're going to, I don't know, like what she's supposed to do, like spit in his face. Like, I, I don't know. It's just bizarre. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I, I will say like in their, in their defense that it wasn't just like shaking hands. Cause I probably, I, I would like to say that I wouldn't shake Donald Trump's hands. I'd like to say that I'd take like a, fir- a firm ground. 
but when you have the opportunity to shake a hand, like I, I'd probably do it. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be a very tough situation. I'd really have to, it'd be a You're big canceled. Tough. I'm canceling you because you just admitted that you would do it. <laughs> no, no, wait, are you anticipatorily canceling me? I'm canceling you because you just admitted that you would, you would shake his hand. So I, I want to make I, sure all your friends know and that you get canceled. It would, it would be, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to uh, unfollow um, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren on Instagram. She hears that. Um, yeah, it's true. I, I, I don't know what would happen. It would be a huge moral test of my character. I would imagine that I would not because I think I'd be a hero. So I don't think I would. But well, I don't know. Well, we'd say, but Vince Vaughn wasn't shake his hand. He was chumming it up with him in the box, which I, I, I like. Who the fuck cares? Like, if it, it's so insignificant. But then you have those. But then you have a lot of people who immediately will like. It, you wouldn't know that this was a big story unless you like turned on Fox News. Or right, or, no, and that's and that's why and that's why I think from the Twitter. Right, no, and that's why I actually think that it ended up being a backfiring on people who have my, my views, not like Fox News, but yeah. I think people like me that don't like cancel culture were actually surprised about how little we heard from the cancel people. You know, the cancel people were, they were, can't, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, the cancel people were out there, especially the most fervent ones who are just constantly on Twitter looking for the next, you know, small infraction um, from somebody's, you know, Twitter from like, you know, 15 years ago. But um, for the most part, it was actually a lot more tame. And maybe that's just like, uh, it, it honestly might be the byproduct of like cancel fatigue. You know, we've canceled so many people at this point that it, I think some of the cancel people are honestly getting tired of canceling more people. Um, it, it's like there's more people that are canceled than uncanceled at this point. So they're just like, ah, fuck it. Let's just take a day off. But canceling, canceling seems to be like a rather insignificant thing. It's basically a few people being like, oh, I'm not going to like support this guy. I'm not going to watch him. It's well, like, I, that- uh, I don't know if I agree about that. Uh, okay. Some people's careers have been impacted by it. Um, you know, and like, yeah, like Kevin Hart, right? I mean, he's been doing pretty well, but like, I mean, his career took a hit for a while. He was- but, but, there's, but there's a difference between what Kevin Hart did and like an Ellen DeGeneres or Vince Vaughn did. Like Kevin Hart didn't. It wasn't just the Kevin Hart shook. Um, oh, sure. But the impact is still the same. I guess, so I guess what I'm trying to say, like the idea of canceling, right? Whether it was something small or, or big. And like, look, my older brother's gay. I've been, you know, probably hip to gay rights for much longer than most people. Um, I don't know. I, Jeff, I grew up Unitarian, so. <laughs> well, there you go. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I care about it. Like, don't get, and like yeah. I have many, many gay friends, very close friends. Uh, yeah. So I am sensitive to what he said. and It's messed up. Um, he's also a comedian and I yeah. think that he apologized and I think that try, we tried to move on. Um, I don't think that pe- I, I, I can't speak for someone who's gay, so I, I'm not going to do that. But I guess if I were to try to put myself in someone else's shoes and just think about people who have said things to me that I found offensive, um, I, I think what I try to do, and I'm not always successful, so I'm human, but I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. If they apologize, I try to accept their apologize if I find it sincere and I try to move on. Um, we need to try to do that more, I, I think. I, 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 we're all fallible. I mean, look, if, if I were a celebrity, there are probably like 50 things in my past I could get canceled for, things that I've yep. said when I was younger, when I was much more immature, dumb things I said, um, whether it was on Twitter or in conversation or over email. 
I would I'd be I'd be so canceled right now. No one would even know that I existed. But but so, the difference. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Keep on going. No, you're good. The difference though is uh, that you when you were posting those types of look, I I don't think he should have been. I'll I'll go into that in a second. The difference is that you, when you were posting things, you were Jeff Kerchick, twenty five year old guy selling like education software. Like Kevin Hart was a world famous comedian who had a massive platform. So he had to be a bit more thoughtful before he said things. And his influence is much, much infinitely bigger than yours. No offense. Maybe this podcast will take off. We don't know. But with uh, Kevin Hart is a comedian. So he does need a little like, you need to give a little leniency. I don't know if those were necessarily like jokes. I mean, they were, they were, if you're going to make a joke like that, it has to be funny. And it just wasn't funny. The thing is, though, that like the, I agree with you. I don't think he should have been removed from the Oscars. I think that was kind of stupid. It, it's also like, the guy's still going to be in fifty movies. I don't think he gives a shit if he's going to be hosting the Oscars. It was just an opportunity for the Oscars to like kind of virtue signal, right? The well, Oscars, which, which they, which they love, which they would love to do, right? Thing for forever. But it also would have been the awesome opportunity. Like, what if Kevin Hart was still able to host the Oscars? Go on the Oscar stage and say like, "Hey, I know everyone saw what I posted. I'm really sorry. I, you know, it was years ago. I uh, hope you guys all know me well. I, I, it, and, and like talk about like that would have been the perfect opportunity rather than just saying, "No, you're not invited." Right. No, I agree. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think that for, I think Kevin Hart maybe he's not the best example because all that happened to him is that he wasn't allowed to host that show, and then he went on to just become richer and richer because he's hilarious. Yeah, and he starred in several movies, and you know has like great Netflix specials, and you know I, mean, I guess I'm I'm super I'm 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 kind of biased just because like as much as you love Elizabeth Warren, I'm a huge Kevin Hart fan, so <laughs> I think he's really funny. So I'm a little, maybe I'm not equipped to have an opinion on, uh, on, on my boy, Kevin Hart, it's but too close to home. Yeah. It's too close to home. The, when, uh, the, uh, yeah, it, I, I guess this is, uh, it's, it's, I find it to be more of an opportunity for, for, for the, uh, for right wing to call, uh, left wing people soft and, uh, and Marxist. Mm-hmm. Uh, they love throwing that are leftists, which I, I don't even know if the like, leftist is a thing. I think it's just like made up by like Daily Wire and Ben Shapiro and stuff. Um, to, well, to- I, I think they feel that there's a difference between liberal values and like leftist values. And I, and I, I actually, I do think that there has been a departure, like a lot of liberal values are sometimes a departure from what they would think is like the leftist approach. But anyway, what would you consider leftist like, like the, um, like condemning like certain speech or something, or what would you? Um, yeah, I actually do think the freedom of speech thing is part of that. Um, I think another part of it too is just like the, the lack of individuality that you, uh, it's not you, but like that, um, sorry that I don't even mean like you or people that think like you, I just meant like the, the, um, uh, the lack of individual, the lack of individuality that gets kind of asserted in uh, some of the identity politics today, I think is a departure from traditional liberal values, which I think treat individuals, you know, Martin Luther King's whole thing was about, um, you know, you shouldn't be measured on the content of your skin, but the, or sorry, the, the, the color of your skin, but the content of your character. And I, I, I think that actually speaks a lot to 
looking at people for who they are and not just grouping them into buckets of like, Hey, if you're black, you get X or Y. And if you're white, you're this or that. Like, but, but the, a- but the treatment, those Paul's yes. The Martin Luther King absolutely said that, but the, the, you, you were saying earlier that like you thought the acknowledgement of sexism existing in politics and women being treated differently was like the opposite of sexism. Like it was acknowledging it and treating it for what it is. Yeah. When, when we, when like, as somebody who like, I don't know if I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what the lines are for our, like what constitute identity politics and what constitutes like social progression. But when you are lumping people into certain groups, you're doing that because they have been marginalized and been pushed back by society for so long that they, that, that you need to overcompensate. But I, to help but I just don't, I just don't think that's true in all circumstances. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I guess I no, just go ahead. like, there's a kid who went to my high school who was black and grew up in the richest town in Massachusetts and was the son of like a doctor and a lawyer who bragged about how his skin color was going to get him into an Ivy league school. And then yeah, like, I know, I know poor white people. I mean, look, like I, if you were to just put a gun to my head and say, you know, if, if, if who, who do you think has it, uh, has it worse, this uh, random black person or this random white person, I would say, well, probably the black person, he has to, he, he has to face, you know, systemic racism and things like that. But if, but if you then started to give me other information about these people, that might not be the answer anymore. Like it might be that the white person is a lot worse off. But, but um, you make, oh, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. I, I guess I, I just, I, I agree with you to some extent. I just don't agree wholeheartedly that being, you, can, you know, you can always find exceptions to rules though, particularly if you've anecdotal evidence, like I, I can walk outside and find exceptions to, you know, anything, but you, you base these policies based upon like actual, like macro data and reports. And like, mm-hmm. the truth is, is that African-Americans have been incredibly held back by society. The poverty rates are incredibly much, they're much higher. The educational rates are, it, it's much more difficult for a, a black person to, to, uh, to, to get a good education, to get a good job. Uh, so like, that's why we create those policies and you can always find exceptions. Right. Well, no, I, I, I understand, but I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, it comes back to what I was saying before, where it's like, no pun intended, but if these things are so like, we, we, we take these black and white approaches to issues. And so in that hypothetical example that I gave a moment ago, like let's say with something like an affirmative action, for example, mm-hmm. like we're helping that person get into college, but he actually doesn't need the help at all. And in no, fact, but, he's, he's already. But because, because Alex is doing well, doesn't mean that you're going to punish the other, you know, X amount. Like you can never find a purely, a purely perfect solution. Like there are always going to be like, they're always going to be people who, who, who are getting over uh, – they're, they're getting overly benefited from a system. I, it's my personal opinion that we should not treat people based on immutable traits about those people, and we should treat them based on um, their circumstances. But if, if, but if, if part of their circumstances happen to be the way that, you know – they grew up socioeconomically race, things like that. Um, so be it. But I don't think that 
I think that we need to look at people as people, not just like, I, hey, we need to look at somebody, hey, you're black, so, you know, th this is your life and you're white, so this must be what your life I, is like. I just don't think that's reality. I, I totally agree with you. I totally agree that that is what, like, what we should aspire towards. However, if, you, if the reason that you are in your situation largely is because you have been uh, discriminated against for those traits, mm -hmm. and, but certainly in the past and currently you're being discriminated for those traits. Like you should try to fix the traits. I, 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 it, you should, you should try to benefit people, not benefit people based on those traits, but you, the, the policies that we are creating should try to fight the discrimination of those traits. I totally agree that we should be seeing people just as people. However, I, 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 I think that is a, that is something that we should aspire towards. I don't know how you can create a policy towards that though. Uh, yeah, well, I think it's, it's, it's very difficult. And I think one of the reasons it's very difficult is the, in my opinion, this might sound dark, but I think it's an unfortunate reality that this is a problem that will exist in, I would say perpetuity. I mean, I think education can do a lot, but I think that there are people out there that will always be down on their luck and their way of coping with their reality is to try to bring other people down. And I, I just think that that's, I'm not saying that we should just do nothing about it because of that, but I, I do think that there is, um, I think that that is an unfortunate reality that, you know, racism is something that people, you know, whether they're, they're uneducated or, it's their way of feeling superior to somebody else because their own life is a mess. You know, I just think it's in some ways it's like for some people, it's always going to be there. What we have to do is try to make it as few or try to mitigate it as much as possible. But I do feel like there's always going to be this sad, like group of people that are, you know, they're either just completely uneducated or, or whatever, you know? Are you talking about the people who are like racist against like black people, gays, that kind of thing? Yeah, just in general, I think there's always going to be, and look, I, I, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying that because this is the reality that we should just do nothing about it. I think we have to do as much as we can to whittle that population down. But I feel like there's always going to be a group of people that is fearful of people who are not like them or people who are raised a certain way or they're just not educated. I think that's always going to exist. And the best we have to do is try to limit that population to as few people as we possibly can. Completely agree. Um, but right now, I think that's like, that's very much reflected in the policies that we have, that there is that discrimination because we have, we have such a large, significant population that, that does feel that way. Right. Um, it is, it is, it is, it is ridiculous how, well, I mean, we've come a long way, but we haven't come far enough, certainly. <laughs> um, not nearly far enough. So I would agree with you about that to be sure. All right, Jeff. And, and now as kind of a uh, little pivot, I want to hear about uh, your, uh, your trip to Huntsville. So guys, Jeff went down after seeing the documentary wrestle uh, and the inspiring story down there, Jeff actually went down and Jeff, you coached. Kind of. Yeah. They had a, they had a quad meet the first night. So I watched that. And then the second day I helped coach for uh, at their practice. So yeah, a little bit. T tell me about some of the, uh, some of the wrestlers. Sure. So and actually like a lot of the experience there is actually a good segue into some of the conversation we've been having. Um, but yeah, I mean, really good, big eye opening experience for me. Um, 
I was, I was pretty inspired by the trip in a, in a number of different ways. The, the wrestlers on the team are great kids. Uh, it was a, the, the high school for those, uh, some people have listened to these podcasts, others are kind of coming in cold, but Huntsville is kind of like a racially segregated uh, city. And the high school itself was Mae Jemison High School. It's named after the first black uh, woman to go into space. It's actually a very nice school. Uh, it formerly had been J.O. Johnson High School, which was a really kind of a tough school and wasn't really performing well, but they got a lot of funding to build this really nice new school. And the school and the team is predominantly black. Uh, kind of crazy. I didn't, I mean, I guess I kind of knew this, but I, I know segregation isn't really like a, a thing in, in terms of being enforced today. And, uh, you know, it got rid of it a long time ago, but by all intents and purposes, the way that a lot of these places are zoned and things like that is, you know, in, in kind of like a de facto segregation. So I would say my impression was that 90 plus percent of the school and the team was black. I think they had one white wrestler on the team. The other teams were predominantly white um, with, you know, maybe a handful of black wrestlers. So that was interesting for me to see uh, just kind of, you know, Alabama is just a different place than New York City. Uh, first and foremost, these kids are great kids. They were very tough was one thing I noticed about them. A lot of times they would, you know, be put on their back and fight off their back. And one kid even came back to win a match after fighting off his back, which is um, for those who have wrestled, they know it's tough to do. It's very tiring to fight off your back. But these kids were very tough. Um, they would, you know, really fight the whole match. They were great kids. I really enjoyed their, their personality, their attitude. They were really upbeat. I was told by Chris that the majority of the members of the team kind of came from difficult situations back home, mostly single parent situations, not a lot of money. Um, you know, I guess one kid on the team had tried to commit suicide after Jeez. winning a state championship. Uh, so obviously a very good wrestler, but just uh, was depressed. And, you know, anyway, I, you know, I, I was really touched to see that this was kind of an outlet for these kids. Um, I, I mean, I genuinely enjoyed kind of the brief time I got getting to know them. They were very grateful for the opportunity. Um, there was a, a girl on the team, which I thought was cool. Uh, women's wrestling is one of the fastest growing high school sports nationwide. It's kind of a little known fact. And uh, yeah, people there too are just super polite. They, everybody calls you sir or ma'am. I was kind of like weirded out by that. People call yeah. me sir. But um, it's, I guess, just a Southern thing. And, yeah, overall, it was, it was pretty cool. Now, where did you stay? Like, how long were you down there for? Yeah, I went down for uh, a night. So I came down uh, in time to watch their dual meet the first evening and then stayed in a hotel and came over to their practice the second day at late afternoon, came back home. I actually ended up getting stuck in Washington, D.C., had to stay over and then got back the following morning. But uh, yeah, it was cool. Like Chris, you know, Chris is uh, the coach and he, he was, uh, he's a, at Vanderbilt Law School right now, but he's been commuting back and forth to Huntsville for these practices. It's like two hours each way. And uh, one of the things that I thought too is, you know, Chris is really a saint. He really doesn't seek any praise for anything that he does. He was buying, I mean, the first night 
you know, they had a senior night, he organized senior night, got all the parents there. A lot of the parents had never seen their kids wrestle before. He was the one who organized it. He ordered like $400 worth of pizza for everybody. The next day he was running around doing errands, buying wrestling shoes for kids who didn't have shoes. Um, I asked him, I'm like, oh, do you just like expense this stuff? And he's like, oh yeah, you know, like I, you know, I just pay for it because it's my way of giving back or whatever. And I just thought it was cool because he doesn't, he doesn't go out of his way to let you know that he's covering everything and that he's the one who's responsible for this or that, or that he was, you know, after one of the matches, he drove one of the kids home. Um, just like little things he was doing left and right, just to make sure that everything stick together. It was pretty inspiring. I mean, he talked about how when he was on our podcast, he talked about how like how little time it takes to make such a big impact for other people in their lives and how he took, you know, those people to see a college and now one of them ended up getting a scholarship to that college. And uh, it, you could kind of see that in real life by what he was doing. You know, these things that might seem inconvenient to us, like, Oh, I got to go give someone a ride or I got to go pick up wrestling shoes or buy somebody dinner you know, these were things that to him were like second nature that he's just going to help other people out because he had the capacity to do it. And it was really little skin, you know, uh, little, uh, you know, little off his, uh, uh, off his back to do it. So I was, uh, it, 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 I think it kind of put some things in perspective for me personally and made me want to, uh, to be a little more charitable that way. I looked at kind of like where I give my money charitably and there, I think it's good causes, but it's stuff like my high school, which I thought was important to me, you know, Princeton and Princeton wrestling. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I'll still donate to those causes. But um, there's a difference, I think, between helping kids in a low income area that kind of need the sport of wrestling to help them get through and get by versus uh, supporting like uh, your college or your high school, you know, an Ivy League university or whatever, right? So it just kind of put some things in perspective for me and made me want to challenge myself to try to put some of my energy into places where I can make a bigger impact. I'll let the Warren campaign know that they can't count on you this quarter. <laughs> um, that they can or they can't? They can't count on you this quarter. Yeah, I won't be putting my energy towards Warren's campaign, but I might put my energy towards doing some things that would make Elizabeth Warren proud. <laughs> that's that's such a great answer. Yeah. Um. And tell me, were the kids pretty perceptive to you? Were they receptive to you? Are they open with you? Yeah, actually, they were. Um. And so I was I was pretty surprised. Like Alabama wrestling, uh, by all intents and purposes, is not very competitive. And neither was like where I came from in New England. There's just other plates, other other places and parts of the country that are just more dynamic when it comes to wrestling. But these kids were very well coached. A lot of them were didn't have a lot of experience, but they were hitting some pretty sophisticated technique. Um, and they, they really knew what they were doing. And I was surprised because I came in and I showed them some stuff that was pretty straightforward, but like not necessarily basic technique and just some stuff I thought that they would, they might be able to pick up. And I was surprised, like they were really hitting these things right away. These kids were, um, they were like sponges. Uh, they, they were really eager to learn eager to put things into practice. I mean, I showed, I ended up showing them a lot of stuff because of how quickly they were picking, picking up the things that I was trying to teach them. 
so that was pretty cool. Um, they were definitely much sharper, I think, than, than I was when I was their age and the kids that I wrestled with. Um, I think these kids were much faster learners, much more eager to kind of get out there and get it done. So that was cool. Uh, did you see a lot of improvements just in like the, uh, in the organization of the practice uh, compared to the documentary since it's been some time? I think so. Yeah. I mean, they, they had several coaches, um, but the, the, the coaching situation was fairly unique because, you know, Chris is kind of like a volunteer assistant at this point. They have like a faculty sponsor, which they need in order to have the program, but the faculty sponsor doesn't know anything about wrestling. So he's just kind of there to just be there. Then they had a few other people, but you know, again, like the level of expertise when it comes to wrestling amongst the other few people was kind of scattered and, different people were there kind of for different reasons. So it was kind of interesting to see, um, you know, there were a couple coaches. I think uh, the impression I got from Chris is that a couple coaches were there that had lives that were more similar to the kids and they were really there more to identify with the kids for like in their everyday lives more than in wrestling. And then maybe like one of the other coaches was there to actually teach uh, technique. And like Chris, maybe, you know, is one of those guys who has less in common with these kids coming from, you know, what he would say is a more privileged upbringing. Um, but, you know, they had, look, at the end of the day, they had more coaches than I had in high school. It was nice to see that there were so many people that wanted to be a part of their program. Uh, they certainly have a fan in me. I'll be kind of keeping an eye on how they do. They have kids that can win some state championships. Um, they had wow. actually a couple kids that were pretty talented. Um, so, yeah, overall, very cool experience. Really glad that I got down there to do it and to kind of just see it. I don't, you know, living in New York city, my life is just completely sheltered from uh, that world uh, that they're living in. And, you know, it was nice to see that they have people that can hopefully help them uh, get by. A lot of these kids were getting uh, scholarships, you know, college for football, um, academics, things like that. So pretty nice to see, um, you know, that that was happening. I'm super, I'm so glad and impressed that you went. I think that's an amazing thing. And how many kids were on the team? Has it grown? So they have 15 kids on the team. I think in high school, there's 14 weight classes. And because of the size of the 15 kids, they have to forfeit three of the weights. So, you know, they're kind of in an uphill battle in a lot of their matches because they're giving up three weights, which is a big deal in wrestling to give up three weights. That being said, they're still performing pretty well as a team. They were, I think they made it to like the round of eight in the championships uh, for their division in the States. And there's probably 50 or 60 schools in their division. So, you know, pretty impressive. They're giving up three weights and they're still making it to the, you know, the top eight or whatever. And they're definitely going to have some kids that go on to win, uh, you know, their state championships and things like that or place at the States. So, Again, pretty impressive. I, you have to tip your cap to the, you know, Chris, the coaches and the kids. The kids are really the ones who are putting themselves out there the most. They're giving an opportunity um, to be coached. You know, I think it's uh, impressive that they are wrestling's tough, man. Like I'm, I, I said this when we interviewed Chris, you know, I can't imagine my life was pretty good and wrestling. I still saw, I still thought things were pretty hard. I can't imagine with a lot of what these kids go through. And then on top of that, they're going to wrestling practice every day. Um, I really think these kids are really tough if they're able to get through that. And uh, you know, this is going to be the hardest part of their life. And as Dan Gable said, everything else becomes easy. Um, I hope that's the case for, for those kids.
Yeah, he's doing just awesome work down there. And I can't actually think of a better sport that's more individual um, where you can, as Jalen was saying, you know, you can put all of your focus and energy and you get to control the outcome. Uh, you don't have to rely on others. Uh, yep. Jeff, yeah, exactly. everyone's wondering, most important question, did you hit the mat with anyone? Uh, kind of. I, I did in, in the sense that I showed them some like techniques and things like that, but I did not do any, uh, I didn't do any live wrestling. I don't know how I feel about, um, wrestling with like 16 year old kids. I feel like I could end up, uh, in jail for hurting somebody or something. So tried to not do that, but, um, yeah, otherwise, uh, just to just, just showed the techniques and that was pretty much it. Good. I, Alabama doesn't feel like a good place to get locked up for uh, child endangerment. Yeah, I'd, I'd prefer not to do that. So it worked out. All right, man. Well, uh, in, I know you're flying to Denver, so have a safe flight. And uh, look forward to chatting with you next week. We'll see what happens in the news. Sounds good, Dave. It was, it was fun, fun week with you. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. You got it.